Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. And so what we're talking about here is a famine of hearing the Word of God. And when we start talking about the devotion of hearing, uh, there, there are several reasons why people may not hear the Word of God. And we're going to get into those attributes in just a second. But when the Bible says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, that word, word there is the Greek word rhema. Now, I know there have been some teachings on the word rhema and the word logos, and a lot of those teachings say that the rhema word is only the spoken word and the logos word is the written word. How many of you ever heard that? Okay, rhema word is the spoken word, logos is the written word. Well, if you go to the Greek so you can understand what these two words are, they both are the same, actually. A rhema word is no better than a logos word. And a logos word is no better than a rhema word. They actually mean the same things. As a matter of fact, logos in the Greek is the only word that ties the words of God to it. Rhema does not. Rhema only speaks specifically of a voice that's being spoken. It doesn't even say anything about God. So there's some doctrinal correction that I need to make here because there are some... some movements, let me put it that way, that teach that the rhema word is the word that you need the most. You need a rhema word. I have a rhema word for you. You guys have heard preachers say that. Well, that word ain't no better than the logos word, the written word of God. The, the words are interchangeable, actually. So I, I don't want to get into particulars about trying to hype up one Greek word over another word. What's important is you're getting the word. <laughs> Praise God. And so I don't, I don't care what Greek word it is. I want to hear God's voice. Amen? And so, so I don't want you to get into some of those um, doctrinal instabilities that we can hear from certain um, movements. Let me put it like that. And because there are certain movements, when you're in that movement, all you're going to hear about is a rhema word. And that word rhema is, is highly publicized, and, but it's no better than the logos word. Amen? This is talking about the preached word of God. Faith comes when you hear the word preached by a man or a woman of God who has been sent by God. So we're going to keep the text, what? In context. So I just want to clear that up before we got into the crust of this. So we're just talking about the word that's coming from the person that God has sent. God can send somebody to you outside of the church. They are preaching to you even though they don't have a mic and a pulpit. You are preaching to other people even though you don't have a mic or a pulpit. You are speaking out of your spirit into their spirit. And you're giving them the words because you're relying on the Holy Spirit to talk to you about the situation of that person. They might not even tell you everything about what they're doing or what's going on in their lives. But the Holy Spirit inside of you will determine what's going on. And you're able to speak those words right into their spirit. And they go, wow, it's just like you was right there with me. Well, the Holy Spirit was. And the Holy Spirit was just downloading to you the proper words to speak to them so that they can get to their next level. Amen? So you are important. Put your hand on your heart and say, I am important. You are vitally important to God because maybe there was nobody else God could use to get that word to that person. You are the only one who had that type of relationship with that person, and you were the only one that God could use to get that word to that person. But if you are not in the right place, 
it could impact the society. So we all have to be in our rightful place. And the prophet Amos was uh, actually having a difficult time trying to mobilize the nation of Israel because they had very bad evil behavior problems. This was 750 years prior to Christ coming on the scene. And the prophet Amos had some of the same issues that we have today. I got one, uh-huh. <laughs> Some of those issues is we've replaced true worship with religious hypocrisy. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't want to worship anymore. We just want God to move when we're ready for him to move. Don't move too fast, God. I just want you to move when I need you to move. We've become callous to the word of God, and what happened in the Old Testament, God says it wasn't a lack of God speaking. Listen to me close. It wasn't a lack of God speaking. God brought a famine because they got tired of hearing. Could that be the church today? Could it be that the church today may get more words from God, may really get and walk into this great revival that the church and the whole world is ripe for, but because the church don't value the word of God like it should, that God is removing his hand. Could it be? Could it be? So the prophet Amos came to address this nation just like I'm coming with this word to address myself personally and to address you to know that, you know what, if we continue to reject what God is saying, at some point you're going to have spiritual wax in your ears. When he's constantly trying to, to plead with you and, and teach you and show you, but you go, no, that's not for me. No, I'm not ready for that. Now, I'm talking to myself. I'm not talking about anybody in this church right now. I'm just talking to the person in your seat. That's all. So is the church or are you in the same condition as that church or that nation and any church? Amen. So what causes people not to hear the voice of God? That, that's, I get that a lot. When I meet with other people, uh, I met with uh, a young man that I've been mentoring uh, every Thursday. We meet every Thursday uh, uh, at mentorship and uh, just bringing this young man under my wings, and, and uh, he's got a lot of questions. And so that was one of the things that we talked about at our lunch on Thursday is, is that, that, you know, how do I hear the, the voice of God and, and uh, what can encumber our ability to discern, to discern the voice of God? Are there some things that can hinder our devotion to hearing the word of God? And that's what we're talking about today. So I started off uh, talking about nine attributes that will hinder our devotion to hearing God, and the word devotion is a commitment. Commitment. And so the first one we talked about is living in complacency. So let me do a little recapitulation so I can catch you up to speed. God bless you. Is that is it my cologne? <laughs> so the first one we talked about, one of the things that can block us from hearing the words of God or the voice of God is living in complacency. Living in complacency. Your faith can't be stretched if you're comfortable. Let me say that one more time. Your faith cannot be stretched when you're comfortable. A rubber band is not even useful unless you stretch it. And you're nothing but spiritual rubber bands. Muscles are not developed without resistance. Your faith is not going to develop and get strong. I know we don't like to talk about stuff like this, but I got to talk about it. It will not develop and get strong unless you go through something. Now, 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 how many, by a show of hands, just 
like going through stuff. Let me see. You just love issues and problems. You just love it when all hell is breaking loose in your life and, and you don't know what's going on and you've been talking to God and God is not answering you right now or he's not giving you the answer that you want at the time. You, you, how many, by show of hands, you just like being in those situations? Me either. But guess what? It's in those times when my faith is being developed. It's in those times of confusion where you got to get on your knees and depend on nobody but God. Your A, B, C, D, all the way to Z, 1, 2, 3, all the way to 100, and then your A, 1, your 1A plans all fail. And God says, finally, I got you where I wanted you. Because when you are weak, he said, then I am strong. At the very moment that you said, God, I can't do this anymore, God said, that's exactly where I wanted you to be. Why did it take you three years to get there? <laughs> Praise God. So living in complacency, we can't be complacent as Christians. When you get complacent, you get careless. Glory to God. So living in complacency can hinder your devotion to God. The second one we talked about is living in pride. Glory to God. Living in pride. Proverbs 29, 23 says a man's pride will bring him low. First comes pride, then the fall. Pride will convince you that you know everything. And if you know everything, God can't teach you anything. So you have to come to God dumb. One thing I learned when I first started pastoring a church is how much I did not know. And God wasn't interested in what I knew. He was interested in me coming and falling apart before him and said, God, I do not know what to do. I don't know how to be a pastor. I don't know nothing about growing a church. But since you do, I'm just going to depend on you. Amen? So I put my trust in him. So when you trust in the Lord, He'll bring it to pass for you. Then you know it's not because of, of who you are and who you know and, and what school you matriculated from and all that other old stuff. And, and you went to the right seminary and cemetery. And now you went to all that stuff. And, but you got, you got hooked up with the right church. And, and then you got, now you got all of these buyouts from other churches. They just like corporate America. Now you got mergers. All right, let's get back to pride. Pride will prevent you from seeing your heart's true condition because you're too busy trying to tell people stuff and you won't listen. Glory to God, let me go to the next one. Living morally corrupt will hinder you from hearing the voice of God. To be carnally minded is death, and only Christians can be carnal. So when Apostle Paul talks about being carnal, he's talking about who? Talking about somebody says he's talking about me. Yeah, he's talking about me. He's talking about me. When he's talking about being carnal, he's talking about us. So when we start talking about living morally corrupt as a pastor, I have an obligation to preach the word of God. I have an obligation to address sin. I have an obligation to talk about what's going on in our society today. I have an obligation not to be afraid of what culture might say about this church or about me because I'm preaching the truth. Amen. I have an obligation. We are not supposed to be capitulating to what the culture wants. And when we do that, then we bring in mixture in the church. And there is a mixture church that's going to be developed in the end times that's going to take over. It's going to be an amalgamation of all religions, a church of mixture. 
Uh, you might read about her. Her name is called the harlot in the book of Revelation. But we may have a harlot church today. Mm, I like that when y'all say that. Ooh. I mean, I hear something real good there. Praise God. See, when sin is ignored, it will metastasize. It's just like cancer. And when a pastor gets in the pulpit and refuses to address sin, sin will grow. When you refuse to talk about the real issue, the issue is not my skin color. The issue is sin. If you take the sin out, you won't have racists. Now, I'm not oblivious to what's going on. There are racist people everywhere. But if we as preachers don't address the real issue, and we want to postulate on CNN just to get our face on TV, but you're not addressing the real issue. Because this is not, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. This is a spiritual fight. And so if we refuse to bring people back to this word, there are no changes going to be made. No solutions because the only solution is repentance. Righteousness is the only thing that exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. And if we don't go back to righteousness, I wonder what the next city is going to be. And the next city after that one. Because until we get back to this, we're going to get more of the same. I haven't heard one solution that's going to line up with this word yet. And as long as we keep placating to the people who are always on TV talking about a bunch of nothing, I'm going to get off of that. Living morally corrupt. We're supposed to be in the church living a righteous and a holy life. And if you are a preacher and you're not leading people in that direction, why do you have a church? You are wasting God's time and God's resources. Because we, it has to be about souls. All right. Living a moral and corrupt life. Uh, number four was living in unbelief. Unbelief. I know nobody here has ever had to deal with that before. Oh, maybe somebody. Oh, some of y'all. Oh, I'm not by myself. Okay, I've had to deal with that too. Praise God. There are times when I go, God, I just don't know. I don't know if you're going to do that. <laughs> Praise God. I was believing this part, but that part, I was like, God, I don't know. How many of you are like that too? Sometimes, you know, Lord, I do believe, but that part over there, I don't, you know. Oh, I, 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 that's why I love the father who brought his son to Jesus, because that brother was me. He was me, because he, he was so sincere. He said, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. To me, that was the most sincere prayer of the whole Bible. Lord, I do believe, but, man, there's times when I get in situations. My God, my flesh, my flesh says that just not going to happen. And sometimes I agree with him. Amen. I ain't lying. Sometimes I agree with my flesh. I go, yeah, that ain't. See, your mouth will tell you what you agree with. Because I say, yeah, that ain't going to happen. As soon as I speak it, I hear it. Faith comes by. So I just preached myself out of it. Living in unbelief. Number five, living in fear. For God has not given us a. God hasn't given us a. God hasn't given us a. God hasn't given us a spirit. Spirit of fear. Notice he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, 
but we fear in our flesh because your flesh is not your spirit. So when people say, well, I'm a Christian, why am I fearful? Because you are fearful in your flesh. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. Your spirit is never fearful. It's your flesh that tries to tell your nature you can't do that. You speak to your mind, and your mind will determine your actions and your behavior. That's why Apostle Paul says our minds must be renewed by the word of God so that our minds can push our flesh down. That's why John says, I must decrease in my flesh so that the spirit man can come up strong. In that realm, I am not afraid of anything. That's the realm we should be operating in as Christians. That's why I don't care how much people don't like what I preach. Until I stop preaching. Because then I'm in my flesh. <laughs> then I go, Lord, somebody's going to shoot me for sure. But while I'm up here, boy, I ain't no fear. Come on, bring it on. Because, see, when, when my spirit, man, is strong. See? And that's what I had to do. I had to, my spirit, my flesh, and my, my spirit, man, was warring, man, when I was, when I was dealing with the cancer. And I was like, man, God, I've, I've been doing this. And it's my flesh, my flesh. I've been doing this in your name. I've been preaching, God. I've been, I've been standing strong. Why I get this stuff? And then my spirit says, why not? And I'm going, well, you need to shut up because I need to, I need to vent. I need, I mean, I need to vent a little bit. You need to stop talking. And my spirit is saying, why are you, why are you talking yourself out of what God has already ordained? Because I don't know why I got this. I'm, I'm just going through this and, and don't nobody love me. And, and, and then your spirit is saying, God loves you. Okay. <laughs> See, y'all probably don't do that. See, that's just, I just let you into my house for a second. So, so that, that's how I do it. That's me and God, we have these little talks, right? And so we have to have these little talks because I do have my little go-through. I run into people who say they don't, they don't go through nothing. I don't like talking to them. I don't, I don't, I don't like talking to people who ain't been through nothing because they just don't understand. You can't understand when somebody's been through all hell and you ain't been through nothing. There's no, there's no comprehension there. They're going to throw a scripture at you that they don't even understand. Don't throw no scripture at me. Just hold me accountable. I don't need the scripture. I got it in me. Sometimes, church folk, you don't need a scripture. You just need somebody to say, get up out of that bed and get your butt up. In here depressed, the shades all pulled. Open up those windows and let some sunlight up in this house. In here with your house shoes on and your over. Get, get out of them house shoes and put something on and go out. <laughs> I don't know where I was. Where was I? <laughs> so y'all making me go off and stuff. So, so, so uh, we're talking about fear, right? Fear, fear, fear. Fear will stop us. See, Peter was full of fear until he got filled with the Spirit. After he got full of the Holy Ghost, you never ever hear Peter being fearful ever again. Hello? All right, number six, the last one we covered before we went on vacation was living in offense. Living in offense will hinder you from hearing the word of God. The Bible says a brother offended is harder to, to, to be won than a strong city. A brother offended. The word uh, offend actually in the Greek um, is the word scandalon. It's the word scandalon. And what that word means is, you know, if you have a trap, that trap has to have bait on it. And so... 
if you don't have bait on the trap, you're not going to catch what you're looking for. So the word offend is the bait on the trap. So people who are offended are trapped. They have these walls built up around them. They don't let people in, but they can't get out. So they are trapped. They are in bondage, but they don't know it because they're deceiving themselves. And people offended will always see what's wrong in everything around them except themselves. That's an offended person. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, it's always going to be something wrong if they don't like it. And if they don't repent of it, it doesn't matter what job they go to. It doesn't matter how many relationships they have. It doesn't matter what church they go to. They're not going to stay long because they're going to see the same stuff in somebody else at that same job, in that same relationship, in that same church. Because the problem is not the job. The problem is not the relationship. The problem is not the church. The problem is the person. And there are two reasons why people would be offended, because they were treated unjustly or they believe they were treated unjustly. Some stuff, it wasn't even unjust. Praise God. Now, I, I covered those, man. I had to recapitulate because I haven't been here in a minute. All right, y'all ready to go into the last three? I'm going to give you the last three. Let's transition here. Let's go to Mark chapter 7. So we got six. Did you get those six? Okay, so let's do number seven. Let's go to Mark chapter 7. And thank you for your patience, but I wanted to bring everybody up to date before we jump right into this because I don't want you to miss any of this. Mark chapter 7, verse 1. I'm going to go ahead and start reading uh, while, you, while you turn there. And it says that the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together uh, to him, talking about Jesus having come from Jerusalem. Now, when they saw some of his disciples eat bread uh, with the defiled, um, that is with unwashed hands. So uh, the Pharisees said that if you don't wash your hands before you eat, um, you, you are defiled. So verse 3 says, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding to the traditions of the elders. Notice it says the traditions of the elders. Somebody say the traditions of the elders. Now, 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 notice when it talks about the Pharisees, the Pharisees says the tradition of the elders. But it's going to be interesting to note what Jesus says about it. So make sure you mark that, underline it, highlight it, the tradition of the elders. Then it goes into verse 4 because when I teach, I have to teach. I can't just give you something. I got, I got to go through the word with you so you can see some stuff. So that's why it takes me a little longer to get my stuff out. So, so verse 4 says, when they, when they come uh, from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pictures, copper vessels, and, 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 and um, couches. Uh, they got couches back then? Okay. Praise God. And so verse 5 says, Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, talking about Jesus, Why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of, traditions of the elders? You see that? Notice what the Pharisees are calling, traditions of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands. Verse 6, he answered and said to them, now Jesus is talking to them. Now it switches. It turns to red in my Bible. Is it red in your Bible? So that means Jesus is talking. So now notice what Jesus called it. So Jesus says, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? He called them a hypocrite. Now the word hypocrite means to cover up because our first hypocrites is Adam and Mrs. Adam. Because they covered up. See, that's what hypocrites do. It's called cover up. That's why revelation means to uncover. So if you don't give revelation, then you're a hypocrite. 
These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Notice, Jesus didn't call it the traditions of the elders. He called it what? The commandments of who? Men. Now check out verse 8. Laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the traditions of and washing of pictures and cups and, and many other things that you do. And then he said it is all too well you reject the commandments of God that you may keep your traditions. Now drop down to verse 13, verse 12, I'm sorry. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father. Oh, I'm sorry, 13. Making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down and many such things that you do. So in other words, there, there is something taking place here that these men are holding the standards of their traditions higher than the commandments of God. So here's the next attribute that will hinder you from hearing God. Living in religious traditionalism. Living in religious traditionalism. This is when in your spiritual walk, your spiritual walk is determined. Listen to me close. This is when your spiritual walk is determined what you do for God rather than you being in love with God. One more time. See, see, living in religious traditionalism means that it's more important what you do for God than just being in love with God. That, that's what people, they in the church, they're just working, 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 working. They doing it, boy. They all over the place working. But their spiritual fortitude is dry. Why? Because they're doing things outside of their grace. They're doing it because the religious traditionalism says this is what you're supposed to do. Now notice, Jesus called it the commandments of men, the traditions of men. This is not the commandments of God. There are some places you can go, some, 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 um, there are some denominations you can go into, and you will swear, I'm telling you, that what they're doing is in the Bible. And if you go against it, you will be persecuted. Even if you ask, where is that in the Bible? Oh, boy. Man, you will. You get cut. Where is it in the Bible that we got to wear white on the fourth Sunday? Show me that in the Bible. Right? You, you, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Now, tradition is not bad. We have some traditions here in this church that we do. It's when you change tradition to holding what man says above what God says, that it switches to traditionalism. Amen? Now listen, don't get me wrong. Traditions are good. Just because a church is traditional does not make that church operate in traditionalism. Hear me close. Because some traditions we need in the church. Good God, we need them in the church. But it's when we begin to take those traditions and hold them higher than the scriptures. That's where we go wrong, saints of God. So listen, hear me close. Hear my heart. Some traditions are very, very good, and we need them to stay in the church. But when we move off from holding those traditions of men higher than the scriptures or the commands of God is where we get into trouble. It's called indoctrination. It's hard to train a person who's been indoctrinated. It's hard to get that stuff out because they have been operating in it for so long. See, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, they knew the word of God. 
I mean, they could quote the book of Isaiah from cover to cover. They knew the scriptures. However, they had become indoctrinated by their knowledge. So when God came on the scene and began to say, no, you have heard it said. So in other words, you heard somebody, one of your fathers say this. But I say unto you. So what Jesus was trying to do is he was trying to get that indoctrination out of them to say, I know you what you heard, but that's not what I said. And if you don't know what God is saying, it's easy to follow what man is saying. Are you here with me this morning? Colossians 2.8 says, beware lest anyone spoil you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Traditionalism. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving head to deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. Man, Apostle Paul was, man, you don't like my preaching, just get Apostle Paul up here. Man, that's some serious preaching. Doctrines of devils. You know what that is? Traditionalism. These are people who have been indoctrinated, and they were teaching false doctrines in the church like today. It's a false doctrine in a lot of churches going on, and unless you know the word for yourself, you won't know what's false. See, it's not enough that a teacher appears to know what he's talking about if his words contradict the Bible. His teaching is false. Let me say that one more time. Maybe I want you to get this. I want you to get it. It's not enough that a teacher appears to know what he's talking about. If it contradicts the Bible, it is false teaching. It doesn't matter how much he sweat. doesn't matter how much he can hoop. doesn't matter how big the church is. If he contradicts the Bible, that teaching is false. That's what Paul addressed, and that's where we address, and a lot of other preachers address it too. Because we got this stuff coming in, creeping into the church, and it's creating this wussified church. And when you get wussified, you ain't going to lay hands. You're not going to rebuke devils. You're not going to believe the word. Got the kids in here. I want to say something else, but. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice. <laughs> I don't want to be nice, but I'm going to be nice. So, so, so right. So we got we to gotta make sure that we operate in that kind of faith that God gives us, right? And so listen, listen to me close. Traditionalism will hinder you from hearing the voice of God. Number seven, that was number, no, let me give you number eight. Number eight is in Mark chapter 11. So turn right real quick, Mark chapter 11. Are you learning anything so far? Okay, Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. I'm going to start at 23. Uh, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture as well. We've read this over and over again. And so Mark 11, 23 says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says, whoever says, whoever says, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt. Somebody said, don't doubt. 
and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says, those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Notice how much it talks about how much we speak. Therefore, I say unto you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you have received them and you will have them. Now, if you stop right there, we are doing you a grave danger. The scriptures does not stop there. Just because you blab something doesn't mean it's yours. You have to meet the condition before you can get the promise. Now, if you don't read the rest of it, you won't know what the condition is. You just heard the promise. The promise is, if you say it and believe it, it's yours. That's the promise. But there's always a condition to the promise. It goes on to say, <laughs> and whatever, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, whoa, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Now, now, let me just clear something up real clean here that if you harbor unforgiveness in your heart, I don't care how saved you think you are. The Bible clearly states, if you don't forgive, why should my daddy forgive you? So you can say whatever you want to say. You can blab it all you want. You can speak it all you want. You can claim it. All you want. You can name it. All you want. If you got unforgiveness in your heart, it ain't coming. So the next attribute is living in unforgiveness. Living in unforgiveness will hinder you from hearing the voice of God. Why? Because now the pipe is corrupt. God is trying to get his pure word to you, but he can't because you're corrupt on the inside. And if you don't deal with that, Hebrew says there's a root of bitterness that will spring up in you. If you don't deal with unforgiveness, because when you, when you forgive a person, that's not for that person, by the way. See, the reason, reason people that harbor unforgiveness, they're caught up in this trap and bondage, is because you can't get free until you forgive. And then once you forgive that person, it doesn't matter what they did to you. Don't matter. Now, my wife can forgive her stepdad. It doesn't matter. Forgive them. It ain't going to happen overnight, especially when you've been brutally violated. It ain't going to happen overnight. Nor am I suggesting that it should. There is a process that you got to go through. So nobody can tell you, well, you need to go ahead and forget. Well, there is a process to that. But when you're ready to do it, do it quickly. Don't wait. Because then the devil is going to get a foothold in there. And then he's going to lock you up for another year. But the moment you're ready, forgive that person and you will see. But there will be a release off of your life like never before. And you've been saying, why have I been so hindered all my life? Why? Because you had this shell of unforgiveness over you and you couldn't go above that unforgiveness. And you were hindered and limited by the unpureness of unforgiveness in your heart. And the moment you remove that shell, it's like new life. It's like you, I'm free. It's like, wow, this is amazing. Why didn't I do this three years ago? 
I wasn't ready. Some of you got some family members you need to forgive. It ain't worth it because tomorrow you might be at the hospital with that family member. Get it right with them today. Just go ahead and call them up. Get it right. I had a great conversation with my brother, and I, a lot of y'all know about my, I told you a little bit about my oldest brother. Me and him, we, we like oil and water. And so I, I broke down and just called him up. We had a great conversation. You know, and I told him, I said, I'm going to keep in touch with you. You know, because it ain't worth it. Whatever we've been, whatever this was we had, eh, I don't even remember what it was. See, you know it's bad. When you don't even remember anymore what it was that you're mad about, but you know you just vexed. I just don't, I don't like you. Why you don't like me? I, I don't know. I just don't. I don't like you at all. You stink. And whatever it was, I don't know what it was, right? But just go ahead and talk. We had a great conversation. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to him and catching up and learning about his kids. Go ahead and just do it, guys. You know, I didn't do it for any other reason, just to connect with my brother. Family members, co-workers, whatever, wh whoever it is in your life, go ahead and forgive them. If they hurt you, just go ahead and just humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and let him exalt you in due season. Because the exalting won't come until the humbleness comes. Amen? Learning anything so far? So living in unforgiveness. Unforgiveness can block God from answering your prayer. We just saw that. He said, when you, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything in your heart against anyone, forgive them. So unforgiveness can block your prayer life. It can hurt your prayer life. There's another scripture that says that if you're at the altar, you guys remember that one? Leave your gift at the altar and, and, and go and, and get forgiveness from that brother and then come back and offer your gift? Is, isn't that something? Isn't it something that God says, I don't even receive your gift if you have unforgiveness? Isn't it something that you can give a $1,000 check and God says, I don't want that? I, I'll take it, though, and, and covet it. I mean, <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> I want to deal in truth. <laughs> I'm dealing in truth. I'll take it. <laughs> For sure. But, but God says, uh-uh. You get, you get that little nastiness I keep seeing in your heart, right? Mm-hmm. See, only God can do that. So unforgiveness will, will keep you from hearing the voice of God. It also will keep you from being fruitful. Because it said, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, right, and you will develop fruit, you, can't, you cannot abide in Jesus if you harbor unforgiveness for others. Because he says, if you love me, you'll love them. So if you can't love like he loves, then you can't abide. And if you're not abiding, you're not going to be fruitful. So unforgiveness will hinder your fruit development, your spiritual fruit development. Amen? All right, so let, let me give you the last one. You ready for the last one? I'm done. Ready? Somebody say, I'm ready. ready. Whew. Man, that was long. I got all that out to get to this last one. Okay. okay, John chapter 14, verse 23 and 24 says, Jesus answered and said to him, um, um, this is, he's answering Judas Iscariot right now. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my words. See, notice, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, 
but the fathers who sent me. Now, then it goes on to say, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. And he started talking about the Holy Spirit coming. Okay, so what I want to talk about here is you can't obey God if you don't abide in him and keep his love in you. You won't be able to obey him without his love. That's why you have to have the Holy Spirit. So one of the things, another thing that will hinder you, because it says, if anyone loves me, he will keep. That word keep in the Greek means obey. So one thing that will prevent you from hearing the voice of God is disobedience. Disobedience. So he says, if you love me, you will obey me. It's pretty, pretty basic. So if you don't obey him, then that's an issue of your love connection with him. According to the scripture, not John Lawson, but according to the word, you have to question your love for God if you don't obey God. According to what Jesus Christ is saying here in his, and that's read in my Bible, right? So then he goes on and talks about the Holy Spirit. But I want to talk a little bit about disobedience because you can't hear a word from God if you don't trust in him or obey him. How can he get something to you when you don't trust it in the first place? Romans 5.19 says this, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So this, this is what the Holy Spirit gave to me. He said, our disobedience has a damaging impact on the society. So let me go back to Romans 5.19. It says, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So, so let, me, let me just bring this home. By our disobedience, perhaps, perhaps, Perhaps God could not use us on the level that he wanted to use us to put us in a place to talk to more people about him. Therefore, it impacted the society. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Perhaps if we disobey God, there will be many people who may not hear God. Perhaps if we are out of place and disobedient with God, he can't put us in the right place so that he can speak through us to the nations. Perhaps from one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Perhaps from your and my disobedience, somebody didn't get a chance to hear the word of God. That's how powerful this is because I want you to see how important it is for us to obey on an individual basis, that if you don't obey God, this could hinder God from putting you in the place to get the words to somebody else, living in disobedience. So let me ask you something. Have you made a promise to do something that you haven't done yet, but you made excuses about it as to why you didn't do it? That's rhetorical. <laughs> if you did, you're in disobedience because you didn't do what you said you were going to do. Now, as parents, we can kind of slide out of this. Because <laughs> we always have a good reason why we don't do what we said we were going to do. Right? But, but in all actuality, we're in disobedience. Because we just didn't do what we said we were going to do. The Bible puts it this way. It's better for you not to vow than to make a vow and you don't do it. So just keep your mouth closed. You can't do it, don't say you can. Amen? Even with your children. Dad, I need you to not, can't do it. Mm, ain't going to happen. 
Then later on, I said, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> Amen. But that initial quick answer, mm -mm, no, no, I ain't, you ain't catching me like that. No, no, I can't do it. Ain't going to happen. Jesus is coming soon. <laughs> Amen. So, so are you hearing my heart in this? Disobedience will cause you to have a shallow relationship with God. How can he trust you with more anointing when he can't trust you to obey giving a certain amount? Or obey going somewhere where you need to go? Or obey picking up the telephone and calling somebody that the Holy Spirit just placed on your heart, but yet you just said, I'll call them later. You just rejected what the Holy Spirit wanted you to do. You just disobeyed. And then God had to find somebody else to get to that person because you wouldn't. And that could have been fruit to your account. Just saying. Don't shoot the messenger. All right? So listen, when we get ready to do something, I found this great scripture in Ecclesiastes 9 and 10, and I'm closing with this. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10. This, I've been living by this. I've been living by this. This is, this is a great scripture. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10. It says, whatever you find to do with your hands, do it all with all thy might. Isn't that a great scripture? Say, say there it is. There's, whatever your hands finds to do. Here's another translation. Do it with your might. So, in other words, whatever God wants you to do, do it with everything in you. Don't hold back. Do it all and hold nothing back. You hear me? Do it all and hold nothing back. Don't let anything hinder your devotion to hearing God. Don't let complacency, don't let pride, don't let morally, uh, living morally corruptness enter into your heart, unbelief, fear, offense, religious traditionalism, unforgiveness, or disobedience. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.